question on the risk mitigation side, uh, when you asked me earlier, one of the biggest ones actually, when you think about it, is that accelerator program. Uh, because oh. when you work with these startups for 10 weeks, um, that's really when you get to know the founders much better than in you know meeting them two or three times in due diligence. Where they want to present right. their front, right? Uh, and Correct. They, Correct. They, they, they like let marriage. their hair down. <laughs> it's, it's almost like marriage. Welcome to Venturing Switzerland. The purpose of this podcast series is to conduct interviews with venture capital managers investing in Swiss ventures. Would they make it on an institutional investor's long list? Kind of like Shark Tank or Lion's Den reversed. This is the seventh episode of Venturing Switzerland. Please go back to listen to the prior episodes about Privilege Ventures, TX Ventures, Wingman Ventures, Swisscom Ventures, VI Partners and Spice House. My name is Christian Dreyer and I am your host. Today we are talking with Olaf Hannemann of CVVC. Olaf, CVVC, isn't there one V too many like corporate venture, uh, 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 corporate CVC? That's the way. <laughs> so when's the name? Uh, yeah. Hi, Christian, and nice to talk to you um, and see you again. Um, so CVVC actually stands for Crypto Valley Venture Capital um, and uh, not for um, corporate venture. <laughs> okay, got it. So that's completely mistaken then. And for our listeners who are not aware of what the Crypto Valley is, wh why that name? So Crypto Valley, um, or maybe um, Switzerland as a whole, is, I would say, one of the main hubs globally for blockchain and Web3 technology and has been for the last five, six, seven, eight years. Um, and the term Crypto Valley, I would say, um, you could either say the, the, is, is, is all of Switzerland plus Liechtenstein. Um, the, the blockchain scene has developed that uh, somewhat as, um, as a branding. Um, the heart of that is um, clearly Zug and Zug and Zurich with most active startups and market participants being here. Okay, and you so are branding, if you will, Crypto Valley is a branding that um, this this um, ecosystem and the scene has developed for Switzerland and Liechtenstein as a whole. Got it, got it. And I guess uh, that name also reflects then your investment policy, but we will get there uh, in the second section as well. Very good. So. Olaf, tell me a little bit about your uh, VC origin story. So, uh, so how did you get into VC, into venture capital investing? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm a late, late start, hopefully late bloomer as well. Um, <laughs> uh, as you know, because for those who don't, uh, we actually used to work together at JP Morgan. So I'm a 20-year JP right. Morgan investment and corporate banker. Um, that's what I did in my first half of my professional life and career. So 20 years there in um, Frankfurt, in London, and then since 2003 in Switzerland, always looking after large corporates and um, uh, both on the corporate finance side, so M&A, acquisition financing, so on and so forth. And then I ran the corporate bank for Switzerland. So always dealing with SMI type companies. I left JP Morgan in 2016. Um, and then 
wanted to do something altogether different and started my own little business in a totally, totally different field also to what I am today in today, namely in nutrition and health. So that gave me some experience of, I wouldn't necessarily say we were a traditional startup, but small company that we tried to grow and scale um, uh, with um, uh, nutritional health products. Um, which is still active and, and now is more of a hobby for, for us. Um, and then realized what was going on in terms of this blockchain technology. And for me, um, the, um, the big kicker as an ex-banker was to understand, hey, you have this technology here that once um, it is um, industrially scalable, means T plus instant on everything. So settlement, instant settlement on, uh, all, on all assets, if you will. Uh, and that for me then in 2017 was kind of the kick. And it's happening in front of our doorstep, you know, between <laughs> Zurich and Zug. And that for me then was the kicker to get involved, started to work with a few projects, met the fellow co-founders. And then 2018, um, we founded um, CVVC. There was a predecessor company before doing smart capital advisory and then started CVVC and CVLIPS in 2018. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Um, how is venture capital investing different from regular liquid market investing? What's your perspective on that? Uh, that's, that always yields interesting responses from uh, because, uh, because of the different perspectives of my guests. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, it's illiquid. <laughs> Um, right, so you're investing in private equity and it's private equity at a very, for us, it's very early stage. You could say it in blockchain and crypto um, uh, through the introduction of tokens and digital assets, uh, it has the potential to become uh, liquid again. But our focus is on a traditional approach uh, to, to venture capital. So we have um, um, equity, private equity or convertibles, uh, similar structures in the startup that we invest. So first of all, it's private, i.e. illiquid. Um, you need long time horizons um, because you're investing early in these startups. Um, valuation is um, obviously very different from uh, traditional equity markets where there's a given valuation. In particular, if you're kind of the lead investor, if you will, um, uh, you, you, you're much more um, looking, I would say, at, um, at outlook potential and team. Uh, the due diligence you can do is much more limited mm. compared to large cap companies or even private equity, i.e. you know, leverage buyouts, management buyouts. Um, and uh, you and say much more limited. Is it uh, um, is it limited in scope or is it limited in value uh, that uh, that you can achieve of due diligence? Um, I would say both, but then you focus on different things. So mm -hmm. um, uh, so we invest in very early stage startups where, per definition, you know, there's not much of cash flow. Or, or anything you can look at. You can look at, you know, is it a reasonable budget? Um, is there a reasonable growth plan? And, um, uh, and so on and so forth. But, but, but at our stage, you spend a lot more time um, focusing on the team, the vision, 
the overall structure in our industry and world on blockchain if there is a mixed uh, equity and token model you would look at the interplay of that um, so it's 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 more limited in both ways but but mm -hmm. but then you focus on slightly different topics but you just can't dig that deep i mean you know i mean i'm used to doing uh, um you know selling 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 chemical plants for a living uh, or looking <laughs> at pharmaceutical companies uh, that are billions and billions of assets so that's obviously very different This section is really about the investment approach of your fund, of your company. Uh, first of all, uh, are you familiar with the concept of investment beliefs? Um, what, uh, which uh, the investment belief is something that uh, that uh, 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 an asset manager uh, thinks, or how an asset manager position it positions itself uh, in capital markets, and what makes uh, them different uh, to the competition, or their uh, wh why their secret sauce actually works. Uh, so how efficient markets are, etc., and and how they can actually uh, thrive in these uh, kinds of markets. That's the sort of definition of uh, investment belief. And and uh, uh, what is your uh, your investment belief? What what do you think uh, are you particularly geared to be successful in the market niche that you're operating in so i mean when you say that we would we would call it investment hypothesis mm -hmm. which i guess is very similar different our focus is on so we invest early stage in startups that build based on blockchain technology. So blockchain technology, distributed ledger technology has to be somewhere in the tech stack or the company um, or the project should be a contributor to a functioning digital asset ecosystem. So it could even be that there's a startup where there's the tech is not in it, but they are a, a contributor to a functional digital asset ecosystem. If you believe that digital assets are the future, um, you would also then understand that um, you want to, you know, invest in, say, um, ultra-secure digital asset storage, so custody, um, on-ramp and off-ramp from fiat mm -hmm. digital asset or suspicious transaction. Um, so monitoring, as an example, um, uh, liquidity providers, market makers. So mm -hmm. that, that's our focus. Um, and we do early stage investing. And maybe we come to that um, later about the deal funnel. Now, our hypothesis is that we believe that blockchain and Web3 technology is a, we call it catalyst technology to a lot of other mega trends that you see happening in the world right now. So when you look at the big, big trends, whether that's um, uh, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence, internet of things, it could also be personalized healthcare and longevity, by the way. Um, we believe for all of these to function efficiently in the future, you need um, smart contracts. And um, that's where um, blockchain and dis distributed ledger comes in. So we see it as a catalyst technology for a lot of the other mega trends happening. Mm -hmm. And that's why we do what we do. 
we go on the we focus on the application layer of blockchain as opposed to the so-called protocols um, because we believe um, ultimately long term only once you have you know functioning applications um, there's a proper use case for a technology so i guess the analogy would be only because you have a great software it doesn't mean you have a business if no one's using it <laughs> that's for sure right? <laughs> or only because you've built the best um uh, rail track um if you don't have the railroads or the people using it uh, mm -hmm. sorry if you don't have the trains and or the people using it then uh then uh you know the rail track is is is, is, is worthless if you will mm -hmm. okay got it and your particular uh, cvvc's particular knack uh, of things in that uh, given that uh, investment hypothesis why why do you succeed in this or based on this hypothesis Okay, so um, so this would be our differentiator, I guess, vis-a-vis -vis the startups. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that what you're asking? Uh, no, I mean the startups is basically what uh, what you're investing in. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, sure. But, you, uh, but there are other investors in that space. Uh, Got it. Okay. Uh, how are you different from the other yeah. investors? <laughs> yeah. So first of all, um, we invest very early stage. Um, so um, uh, we're, we're often the first money in, maybe aside from an angel or or two, um, and then we have developed for those startups. We have developed our own accelerator program, um, and all the startups that apply and get accepted to that accelerator program get a set deal. So they all get the same kind of you know transaction in financially, and then they get a ten week training program where we fly all the projects to Switzerland. We work with them initially for two weeks here in Zug and then for another eight weeks or so 10 week program in total um, remotely. We've collected a group of, I would say, 130 to 150 um, external experts and mentors from within both the blockchain ecosystem um, so this could be the protocols, tokenomics experts, PR people with a particular focus mm -hmm. on, you know, the sector, uh, legal, so on and so forth. We, um, but also more generalists, be that um, pitch coaches, design thinking, and then we work with them. So we have that program, I would say, is a big differentiator for the early stage investments. Mm -hmm. For those projects that are a little further along, we invest, I would say, like any regular early stage investor. So there the focus is on um, projects in pre-seed to A stage. Mm -hmm. So the investments there, I would say, are very comparable. The other element where we differentiate, aside from the sector focus and that accelerator program, is through an operational system that we've built up, which is called CV Labs, which is fully owned by CVVC, um, and it's a separate um, uh, uh, operational business where we're running on one hand co-working spaces for blockchain projects. Um, we do um, industry meetups as well as conferences, so up to a thousand people in Zug for two days during the World Economic Forum. We're in Davos with a blockchain hub for the entire week, uh, and then do smaller meetups in our uh, regions. Um, we do industry reports 
Uh, we run startup competitions for corporates as a service. Uh, and we connect, I would say, um, through those activities, the startup as well as the corporate ecosystem. So um, I would say there, you know, it's not just support from a very active investment team, but from that uh, operational business. In terms of regions, where do we have CV labs? Obviously in our home base here in Zug, we have around 150 tenants, including the large protocols. Um, then we're based in Vaduz with a smaller hub. We are in Berlin, in Germany, we're in Lisbon, in Portugal, and we have a team of six in Cape Town for the African continent. Wow, very good. So basically you're you're the ec an ecosystem uh, all by yourself, you could say. <laughs> yes, correct. All right. Uh, does that already also answer the next question, which is basically geographical focus areas? Uh, th those were the geographical focus areas. Uh, you also answered uh, the, the question about industry. Um, so it's basically uh, every industry that has a crypto element, uh, a DLT element uh, in it. Um, and the stage is early stage. So, yeah, we're pretty much there. Huh? Yeah, that's correct. Maybe I'll summarize quickly. So on the regions, um, the answer is yes, except we also have invested in quite a few North American startups. We just don't have a presence there yet. Um, but we see a lot of incoming deal flow and also startups from that space wanting to partner with European investors and uh, so on and so forth. And also often technically, in particular for the African startups, they then uh, may technically be a Delaware company um, only because they will incorporate there for future funding rounds. But we do have a good amount of also North American projects like mm. native, you know, from from that region where we haven't invested a whole lot of is um, is Asia, um, not because we don't want to, but because, you know, as an early stage investor, currently we're just too far away. Um, it is an expansion area for CV Labs, though, for the next, I would say, 12 to 24 months. So we will expand there. And once we're there, also invest there. And in terms of industries, you're absolutely right. We're, I don't want to say industry agnostic. Obviously, we believe this technology is more relevant in some industries than others. But when we do our stats, we've invested in roughly 60, um, uh, 60 um, projects. Uh, roughly 20 countries, and I think it's we count 12 different industries um, uh, in, in, in terms of the end markets, if you will. Mm, that's interesting, because also of the next uh, uh, focal area, which is a deep tech, we are very much interested in that meta concept of, of deep tech. And uh, maybe you're familiar with the book Deep Tech Nation. Um, um, uh, that's uh, that's one of our areas of uh, interest, shall we say. Um, now, deep tech typically uh, is not some something that is focused on software because software has a relatively low uh, moat. Um, it's relatively easy to get into. Do you see a deep tech angle in what you do? Um, yes, I do. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I struggle with the with the exact definitions. I I, I don't think. Um, 
blockchain web3 um, distributed ledger in and of itself is that deep deep tech <laughs> uh, but i think it um catalyzes this is back to my earlier point a lot of the other deep tech things right mm -hmm. uh, and will either drive it and or be positively affected um, by it so um, uh, I, I guess an example would be if you're thinking of ai you need you know you ultimately when that develops um, into even more mainstream you need to have an audit trail and i think that's where smart contracts hence blockchains coming in um, if you're thinking about um, uh, say longevity and personalized health and owning your health data, right? Do you want to trust a central database or a decentralized ones? Um, and where is your health data then stored such that, mm -hmm. you know, you can really monitor it and own it and, um, and benefit from it. Uh, uh, and finally, if you're thinking about quantum computing, we think that can have massive um, implications on our layer one um, uh, technology, so the underlying protocols that people build upon. Uh, so encryption layers, etc. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, mm -hmm. um, so um, quantum-based uh, layer ones, basically. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, so, so I think it's more that it will be strongly affected either in a driving it or enabling it or being driven by it positively since. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Let's so go in a way, it's part of it, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. No, I see that. Um, the, though the classical, in the classical sense, deep tech is more uh, when it comes to uh, atoms, not electrons, is, is one of the uh, one of the characteristics, <laughs> if you if you will. But the, but yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's uh, different ways to skin the cat, of course. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the next. Uh, topic areas is more your investment approach in, uh, in, in, in technicalities, if you will. Uh, I, how do you do deal sourcing? What's the number of annual uh, 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 prospects or deals that you're looking at? Uh, how do you filter them down? Um, so I'm, I'm a bit interested to hear about how that works operationally, um, uh, for, especially your, your, your investing approach, obviously. That's not talking about CV Labs. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, no, I understand. So, um, so I think I want to differentiate between the accelerator um, and the um, and 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 the direct investments. For the accelerator, I would say um, the main deal source is actually um, people apply through mm -hmm. kind of our platform with us, you know, and it's driven by. I would say our brand, uh, an awareness in the market. I mean, obviously we contribute uh, to that through um, marketing activities, through the events, through having done it uh, now for a few years, having run the accelerator. There's quite a bit of word of mouth. Other later stage investors sent the early stage projects oh, to us. And just to clarify, the accelerator is part of CVVC, not of CV Labs. Um, it's a joint project, so we invest in the startups, and then the CV Labs team organizes the uh, uh, accelerator process. 
Oh, okay, got it. Okay. But the investment decision and is is at CVVC. It's also the same fund, um, but the actual management of the program is run by CV Labs. But think of CV Labs as a division of CVVC. Got it. Um, so um, so yes. So for that um, funnel, it's very much um, startups apply and. You know, obviously we do some some marketing where conferences, venues, other um, uh, investors are aware of the program. Startup ecosystems are aware of the program, um, and I would say per um, per per batch which we run, we try and run at a minimum one batch a year for that accelerator. Ideally, we'd like to run. Um, three over the course of two years, so one and mm -hmm. a half per year, um, we see anywhere between three to 500 full proper applications, sometimes more um, of projects. And then for our, um, I, I say later stage, but I still mean the, the non-accelerator early stage investments. <laughs> um, it's very much, I would say, a combination of sharing deal flow with other VCs that know what we like, that mm -hmm. we've done deals before. Um, it is our, um, it, sometimes it's also, you know, we, we meet projects at, um, at venues uh, or they come to us. So it's very, very mixed, uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, that deal flow. Um, and yeah, I mean, We've taken stats early on in the first few years, and and I, I think we had around about a thousand projects a year. I'm I'm never a fan of these stats because um, the the real relevant ones are obviously a much smaller number, and yes. uh, you know I, I I always feel awkward bragging with quantity of deal flow when you really care about the last five percent. Ultimately, um, it's it's about what uh, what's the what comes out of the funnel. But uh, you yes, yes. only get to what comes out of the funnel yes, if you get exactly. them and into the funnel, right? Correct, <laughs> correct. And also, obviously, the level of due diligence, you know, early on. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, is, is, Absolutely. Is, but I mean, some. But can I summarize? Can I summarize that, uh, appropriate, or is it summarized appropriately if I say that 95% uh, of your deal flow comes passively, uh, passively from your own perspective by application of uh, um, uh, to to the program? So, so yes and no. It is. <laughs> Are you a politician? <laughs> way, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's massive in a way, but then the team is out at events. Um, we've done it oh, five sure. times. We ran startup competition as a service. So there's a high level of brand awareness. And obviously mm -hmm. once, you know, once we go towards, I would say the, um, uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of man power spent on uh making sure that startups are aware of you know what we're doing how to apply when to apply where to apply mm. no doubt it's about that it's just not that. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. I meant that in the sense of uh, that you're you're investing a lot into your ecosystem function. I'm uh, I'm well aware of that. Uh, but given that uh, the the the, mm. the 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 deal flow comes uh, actively by themselves because of that uh, trick, if you will, of of having the uh, uh, being a catalyst or being uh, being an, an active part in the ecosystem. So that's a pretty smart move, actually. <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. Let, let's put it this way: um, uh, we are. I don't want to say we're never short of great projects, but it's it's not. We don't have a challenge um, uh, that you know we're not um, we're not equally busy. I'm just looking at our pipeline stats for this year, and I'm counting. Yeah, 219 plus here, sorry, 400. Yeah, so, you know, year to date, we had like 500 some deals um, or, or more that 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 we looked at. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's not like we're, you know, we have, yeah, yeah, they come. Mm -hmm. 500 deals you looked at, how many did you go into more detailed due diligence? Um, I would say you could say it's roughly 10% where we dig, you know, dig deep. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's still a stage in between. Um, we call that a medium list, which is probably kind of a hundred. Um, and then dig really deep is, is probably 50. I think by now we have a pretty good, in particular on that accelerator program, we have pretty good antenna as to who may fit and who may not fit and mm -hmm. can screen pretty efficiently um, uh, and, 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 and hence, you know, the funnel is quite, uh, gets narrow quite quickly, let's put that. <laughs> okay. And how many deals do you do a year, typically? Um, as many good ones as we can find. <laughs> you no, are, I, you are mean, a lawyer. <laughs> again, the politician answer. Uh, um, so look, if we find, but it, it, it is really like that. If mm -hmm. Because we're so early stage, if we find, uh, um, I think our highest year was um, maybe, maybe 25 or so. Uh, we're currently raising a, a fund for Africa and our vintage too. I think it'll increase after that. Um, uh, year to date, we've done uh, nine. I can tell you, year to date, we've done uh, nine new projects through the accelerator. Um, we've done um, uh, two follow-on investments in existing portfolio companies, and we're looking. Excuse me, we're looking at one or two fully new projects currently. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we're in. So July. you know, <laughs> mid-teens. Mid-teens is the year-to-date figure, mm -hmm. and uh, we're not done yet. Okay. Got it. Very good. Thank you. Um, now you've been in that business for a while, uh, so I guess uh, you have some. Uh, you have had some dots, uh, some not so good outcomes as well. Um, how do you actually learn? What's your What's your do? you have a learning process formally, or do you do that informally? And, and how do you do it? Uh, to be honest, right now it's still informal, and um, I mean, of course, we'll have. Um, uh, so, for example, after each um, accelerator program with the early stage startups, we have a debrief, both 
um, with the startups in terms of um, their experience with the program, obviously, and what we can do better in the program. But also we have debrief as an investment team um, uh, and also with the IC as to um, what we can improve in the process um, and what worked and what doesn't work. Uh, so we have that kind of in a formal way, I'd say two to four times a year. Mm -hmm. um, but informally, I would say it's 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 in the mindset of the founder group and and of the IC to constantly ask ourselves what have we learned from a certain experience and what can we improve going forward? Because sure. yeah, it, it may sound long, but 2018 is still you know we started investing actually in 2019 with the first accelerator batch. It's still early days. Mm. And so mm -hmm. there's, there's, you know, there's not a full cycle yet. And also our sector, as you're well aware, is one that is rapidly changing. Mm. And I think that makes it interesting. It also makes it challenging. It seems like you have, you know, a couple new mega trends every year or every other year. Mm. Yeah, and uh, people say that pe people say that what a year in crypto is worth seven years in the real world, right? <laughs> feels like at some point. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Thank you. It could uh, be that people say that to make it sound more sexy, but I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. Um, related to that is your, uh, oh, by the way, one question. Uh, I see is the investment committee. So you have. Oh, sorry. Yes, correct. Uh, that's the investment committee. Okay, right. So you invest by committee, which is a, a chapter uh, or a topic all by itself, right? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Do you want me to comment on it now or later? <laughs> <laughs> no, please do. Okay, so it's um, three people in the investment committee. Um, we um, uh, we have an investment team of another five or six plus the African team for for the um, assets there. Um, and um, although you know three decide technically. If the investment team doesn't like a project, it doesn't, you know, doesn't really come to us, doesn't reach us, right? So, uh, so that's that. And um, our key on the investment committee was there a to have a small group because if you're investing in early stage startups, you know, you have the tendency, or you can have the tendency if you have smaller, if you have bigger teams, we feel you have the tendency to say no too often. Mm -hmm. And two, that is a very diverse um, group of people. So you have me as the ex-banker corporate finance person. Um, you have someone that is a serial entrepreneur and founder. Um, and you have someone who is, I would say all of that plus early stage crypto tokenomics expert uh, and uh, uh, very technically savvy also in the underlying projects. And the same, by the way, mix is true for the investment team. So it's not like, you know, there's five X JP Morgan guys and I'm doing this mm -hmm. with you know my friends, but we consciously looked to hire for a diverse team in terms of uh, uh, experience as well as also personalities. Mm -hmm. Very good. Mm -hmm. Related to learning or your learning process is obviously your risk management. Uh, do you want to comment on that? I mean, typically, typical risk management measures, if you will, is board seats, liquidation preferences, preferred stock, etc. 
what do you do all of the above and more? What, what's your approach there? So our number one is a diverse portfolio because we're so early stage, yeah. right? And uh, so I would say that is is number one is a most diverse portfolio. Um, uh, liquid in one one other element um, is through I would say in the um, in the accelerator program we invest through a um, convertible that converts at the next fully you know, full full equity round. So we have a dilution protection, which is quite attractive for investors. Um, and we also put certain minimum expectations um, that we would see in the equity term sheet into that convertible already. Um, so that's one. Um, board seats were actually not actively chasing um, as, you know, as, as a group, um, but we reserve the right to um, either appoint or recommend but we're not actively pursuing it for the team. Rationale is because we're early stage and because it's such a diverse portfolio, um, you, you know, you, you, you can't be on all of them anyway. Um, and hence, we rather support and advise through our uh, um, function of being an early stage strategic investor then sit on boards um, and then, you know, you end up sitting on five, but not on all 50. And it becomes a different challenge for those companies mm -hmm. where you're not on. Uh, so we're not actively chasing board seats. Um, and yeah, of course, I mean, uh, lick preferences um, in the, in the, in particular, in those projects that then go towards proper rounds is, is I would say it's almost standard these days. One of the other big elements in our particular industry is the risk management around future token issuances or oh. also where you were to invest right in tokens. Um, uh, so, but, but you know, in, in, in private token situations, which we have done, um, uh, we would be very, very keen to have a full understanding of the interplay between equity and token and tokenomics, or else we're just not gonna invest. So that I would say that's our, uh, that's our hardest cut, I would say, in terms of risk is it's either got to be clear once we invest, uh, but there's enough projects in our space where you're like, yeah, 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 at some point we'll have also an equity raise, but when to come into the token or reverse, mm -hmm. and then our answer will just be no. Huh. So basically a token uh plan is is sort of a sort of a red flag for you uh, you want to look or you want to fully understand what the plan is uh, well yeah no you 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 want to um you want to fully understand what the plan is or have you know basic principles around uh, the token plan agreed mm -hmm. on um mm -hmm. uh, and um and in place um and also i guess if you're in the equity first um, but by the way, a lot of our projects will never ever need a token, hmm. right? Because we're such, you know, we have such an industrial focus in a big part of the portfolio that they just don't need a token. But where they may have one, um, it's also a matter of, well, you know what? Once you have a token model, you better also get some as the <laughs> investor that at least, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, it 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 adds to your portfolio and to your return dynamics if something is taken away, if you will, 
through that token issuance from the equity investors. Right, right. No, I mean, I see that it is. it may be an additional dimension of risk, in fact. Uh, if you are an equity investor and, uh, and there is an alternative way of getting uh, equity risk exposure, uh, then you better understand what's happening there, right? Yes, or... <laughs> It, correct. Or think of a token as a new tool for project finance, if yeah, you will, yeah, yeah. almost, right? Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have, I don't know, all of a sudden part of your um part of your revenue stream from a certain bit of revenue is is kind of, you know, is is channeled towards that, then as an equity investor, it's just a new situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. Mm. Yeah. Great. Um ESG and impact is all the rage in the liquid market space. Uh, how's that playing in your uh, neck of the woods? Well, uh, as you can imagine, when you say crypto, um, uh, and it has in our name, although we're not actively investing in crypto, but in blockchain startups, uh, often the first two questions you get from the you know uh, newcomers to the space is, oh, and how about the dark web? web? <laughs> and you know all that all that drug money and the second question is on how about all that energy use um and it is still a challenge although i think there's you know the, the industry is on a good way now in terms of our actual portfolio and what we invest in um let me put it this way so first of all where we see we're for profit we want to have projects that you know that uh, earn a vc return for us and for our investors it just so happens, though, that if you invest in blockchain um, on you know, our level, i.e. application level, a lot of projects, although it's not their primary cause, also work towards solving a UN Sustainable Development Goal. Mm. And we kind of came across that um, uh, almost by coincidence when, I don't know, one and a half years in, we were counting, we were looking at the portfolio and I was saying uh, to my co-founder, hey, you know what? like seven of these i think we had 15 or 17 startups at the time seven of these startups also have kind of a un sustainable development goal uh, next to it although they're not you know actively well some were actively promoting it um and as you can imagine if you're doing early stage venture in blockchain and digital assets in africa where we've done 14 investments by now the ratio there is even higher so net result of this is our African portfolio, 80% of the projects also serve a uh, ESG impact goal um, okay. uh, as a side effect of their solution. You know, it's often banking the unbanked, but it can also be smart city. It could be education, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Um, and I think on the global portfolio, it's around 60%. Um, and but that's that's you mentioned that as a as a sort sort of a byproduct, um, an accidental byproduct. But you're not actively looking for it. Is that it's right? An accidental side product. We're not actively looking at it, but I think by now we kind of like it. So we have a positive <laughs> we have a positive subconscious bias towards it. <laughs> In fact, when um, projects apply to the accelerator on the application form, we also we actually specifically ask, do you also you know, solve towards one, but it doesn't get any, you know, different treatment or rating, at least not uh, uh, actively. Um, we, we just like the fact that this is happening when you invest in our space. 
And I guess we have to get better talking about it um, and and uh, promoting it. Um, but um, uh, if we have time at the end, I can point you towards a few projects or else people can look up uh, some of the projects in our portfolio. You know, if you call yourself proof, proof.io, and you used to be called proof of impact, I think <laughs> that already uh, says something. Uh, uh, what they what they're solving towards. So there's there's quite a few projects that are very um, on our web page that are very specific and obvious, and then others where it may need a little explanation what the impact is. Got it. Very good. There anything else in terms of investment approach that I failed to ask you about that you would like to mention in addition to what we discussed? No, I think we covered it all. So it's early stage blockchain in the tech stack. Hypothesis is catalyst technology. The value add is also through the CV Labs ecosystem business and the accelerator that we're more than money. Um, uh, uh, very global um, uh, thinking in networks. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we covered it all, and and the ESG or the UN Sustainable Development Goals as a positive, very positive side effect that we need to get better talking about. Also, as an industry, by the way, because it is a challenge still for crypto. <laughs> Got it. Yep, the Bitcoin energy furnace. <laughs> Yes, correct. Although, you know, I could also argue, but then we're, we're getting philosophical that um, uh, it's most efficient to mine Bitcoin where there's access, alternative energy so far away from kind of, you know, an efficient usage on the grid. And that's where all the miners go. So, you know, hydro in Norway, solar <laughs> somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the us and then they're using the excess energy there and that's where all the miners go and that's the future of bitcoin mining in my mind all right so we're going to the third uh, section in this episode which is more about uh company governance and firm structure uh mm -hmm. Olaf, tell me a little bit about your uh, your governance. Uh, how are you set up? Um, you you already mentioned that a bit, but uh, uh, also legally, um, how are you set up as a manager and an investment fund? So, what's your fund domicile? Uh, what's the structure that you have built, etc.? Yeah. So the current um, investment uh, products, if you will, are actually technically not funds but they are actively managed certificates. So oh. um, a Swiss security, Swiss ISIN, um, they're fully bankable. So you can call your bank and say, hey, this ISIN, I want to buy it. But because they're venture capital, they're in the form of a private placement and uh, they are illiquid. So um, it's not like, you know, uh, there's, there's a market, if you will, for it. There's a price. But there's not. It's not like you know. We make a market in in them. Obviously, if we know of someone who has an interest and uh, on on either side, we can broker it. But we don't actively do that. Mm -hmm. um, but those. Well, how does that security work then? Is there a, a limited maturity to it, or yes, what, so what's the, it so structured? The way, correct. So the way it's structured is, if you will, in terms of the terms and the maturity, 
we try to structure it as closely as possible to a traditional uh, venture capital fund. So it's eight years plus one plus one extension options in terms of the tenor. Um, uh, it is a, um, uh, you know, we have obviously a management fee and then we have a carry and the carry is at the end and it's over a certain, um, it's, uh, we only get the carry if we achieve a certain return, but for the entire portfolio, um, so um, A20, which is the standard carry in, I would say, early stage uh, VC investment. Um, mm. So we, 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 and, eight, and then. 820 or? Yeah, so it's 20% over 8. Um, ah, uh, right. Okay. 8%, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so 8% 8, 8 is the hurdle rate, 20% yes. is the carry. Correct. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and the management fee is 2.5%. Uh, and the only difference, if you will, is it's a different legal form. It has a Swiss ISIN, and you, Christian, can call your bank tomorrow and 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 you know put an order mm -hmm. in. And I guess from that perspective, what is different is also there's no drawdown. So you invest monies on our account. Mm -hmm. So that made it a little bit different on early stage fundraising because you could almost time it a little bit. But once the investor is in, he's fully in and the money is in our account. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and then you need to manage, hence you need to manage the fundraise a little bit different. That's mm -hmm. how we've done it uh, to date. Um, and um, now for the African fund going forward, because we're also addressing, for example, a more international um, investor group, that will be a Cayman fund structure. And then for our global vintage two fund, uh, I would say it's still TVD. We're, mm -hmm. we're learning now from, from the um, Cayman structure that we have on the African fund. We know what is good and what are the challenges of the Swiss certificate. And then we'll decide, mm -hmm. um, we'll decide for, for Vintage 2, for the Global Vintage 2, depending on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. In terms of licenses, uh, um, maybe real quick. Um, so we're working together on our AMC with a um, licensed Swiss an asset manager as the asset management partner. And that's um, MRB Vermögensverwaltungs AG, or I think they re renamed themselves now MRB Fund Partners. They're based in Zurich. And we've been working with them from uh, from day one, essentially on uh, on that. And they- So they hold the license, the asset manager license, you are the advisor. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Standard setup in the way. <laughs> yes, uh, and you and the same thing uh, also holds for your Cayman structure, or uh, do you need? Yeah, that then will be a um, uh, a uh, regional um, asset manager out of um, you know it's a hybrid uh, solution out of um, South Africa and mm -hmm. you know the islands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. It would be the it would be a similar concept, but with different partners. Um, also with a view to the regional focus of the underlying investments, obviously, we choose then a different partner. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the vintage is still, as you said, to be defined, so you're still looking at your options there? Vintage 2 is still to be defined, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Um, you already mentioned the team diversity of expertise in the uh, investment committee mostly. Um, there is uh, also the question of ESG and impact reporting on your fund side, on your uh, on your product side. So there's a lot of talk about greenwashing, etc. Of course, uh, because uh, that's being 
used in uh, in marketing talk. Uh, do you do you uh, uh, prepare or issue a an ESG report? Uh, are you SFDR Article Eight Nine uh, or something else? <laughs> no, so we haven't done it yet, um, given you know the early stage nature and also the small nature of the of the existing fund. We talk a little bit about the underlying projects. Um, uh, if you will, but that's about it. Uh, we will be considering it for vintage too. All right. Okay. That's upcoming for the next one. Yeah. And also, we will be considering it with vintage too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's upcoming in the next half year mm -hmm. um, because we have a um, portfolio startup that can help us with it. So it's a nice. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> this is the proof.io that I mentioned. Uh, oh, I see. I'll have to have a look at them then. Yes. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Um, do you have experience with managed accounts? Um, not in the traditional way, um, but in a slightly different way. And that is when we started investing, um, we felt, hey, you know, uh, we are, we had this feeling of, okay, well, you know, we're first, we're, we're early out of the gate. We're, we're kind of a first time issuer. We've raised equity into CVVC, the company to also grow the operational business, but, but fund the team. Um, why don't we for, and, and then we actually had money in the AG before we had the certificate. So uh, we bridged the first um, 10, 12 investments from the equity, contributed that into the uh, then uh, fund. I keep saying fund because it's easier <laughs> to say it than AMC. Um, but by now, you know what I mean? Um, and then thought, you know what, why don't we for this round, don't do the standard GP contribution, but whenever the fund vehicle or the investment vehicle invests, we match it as CVVCAG and we co-invest 25%. Um, uh, so when we invested in any of the startups so far, you know, 100,000 say ticket 75,000 would come from the vehicle and 25,000 from our uh, um, uh, our balance sheet. So from that perspective, we have an experience, but it's very different to what you would, you know, traditionally see as a managed account, but we have the experience <laughs> of, you know, um, how do you run this appropriately, right? I.e., you know, same terms, same ratio, no front running, um, you know, do, so do processes we know how to deal with from that perspective. Managing conflicts of interest, basically, Correct. between the different stakeholders. Yes. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's it's sort of, uh, I'm not sure, so there are, there are tech, Technically speaking, or conceptually speaking, you would have two managed accounts, if you will, namely the uh, the certificate one and your and your own balance sheet. Your own balance sheet, exactly, exactly, um, exactly. Except it, you know, <laughs> uh, it's um, well, it is, it is different and it isn't because in CVCAG we have, you know, uh, it's it's not just the founders. We have equity investors, and you re represent that capital if you will and have to act in the best interest not just mm -hmm. of you know uh, some 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 uh, group of three or four gps if you will in in the in in a more traditional sense but the equity investors in cvvcag 
Yeah. So, okay, yeah. got it. Uh, yeah. go, going back to that structure, actually, what made you choose a, a Swiss certificate? Because that's very unusual in the VC uh, world, I think. Um, well, at the time, it was quick, it was efficient, um, it was flexible. Um, we weren't sure at that point in time, think back 2018, 2019, right? Um, uh, and investing in blockchain, we weren't that sure at that point in time how much we would um, be able to invest in uh, equity versus um, tokens. Um, uh, our focus was at the time clearly on equity, but we felt, well, you know, how do we deal with the fact when those startups then issue tokens and we get those tokens, how can we put them in a traditional uh, fund structure? Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, it was still, I would say, um, very unclear for a more traditional Lux or, um, or Liechtenstein uh, structure. Um, and, um, and we felt that was, you know, a quick, uh, quick, efficient route for all sides involved. What also helped is we had very good visibility of this product and what it can and cannot do because we had a or still have a strategic investment in uh, one of the service providers that does those, namely uh, Gen2, who are based in Zurich. And we're able to work very closely with them also at, uh, you know, favorable rate and service um, for us and then ultimately for our investors in the certificate. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that that was the other question that I was uh, going to ask. Uh, Gen2 is your service provider in that sense. Um, right. Is that also, are they operating as your custodian or something like that? No. So on um, custodian side, um, uh, for the cash as a bank, it's ISP. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, we don't have a traditional custodian for the assets because essentially it's private equity. So it's contracts. Oh. And uh, yeah, so they um, there's no uh, there's no custodian on the securities of the startups because they're not listed. <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. All right. Very good. No, that's uh, that's very interesting. That's, uh, uh, as I said, an unusual, interesting structure. Um, Talking about uh, a lead and uh, an investing process, uh, are you leading? Uh, are you often a lead, uh, taking the lead in your investment uh, deals, or how do you how do you operate this? I'm talking yeah. about the syndicate, the investment syndicate. Yeah. So for our direct investments, so the the startups that don't go through the accelerator, we um, we haven't taken a lead, and we typically don't because we go in with small tickets from anywhere between two fifty to half a million. Mm -hmm. um, and then typically at this, you know, C to, I would say, A rounds, uh, you're not taking a lead position. Um, for the accelerator investments, if you will, in, you know, in at that point in time, uh, we're the lead because we're the only one in town. Um, mm -hmm. And then also we help kind of those startup structure uh, sometimes the first round after that. Um, but sometimes they don't, and they work towards a full-on round. Um, but uh, but we typically, so no, we typically don't lead. And in the early stage, sometimes we're the only one. All right. So, well, you do lead in that case. <laughs> in that case, we lead. Exactly. We lead ourselves. Uh, uh, that's right. Although, because it's a convertible, again, you know, it's a different definition. But yes, we do lead uh, uh, there. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. <laughs>
So we're going to the uh, last section about recommendations where we're uh, asking our counterparts about uh, some uh, media they've come across like books, blogs, podcasts, and uh, our podcast is obviously excluded from that list. Um, also, who should we talk to uh, in the in the VC space uh, in particular? And uh, what's the most exciting recent find uh, on, on the tech side, gadget side, innovation side? So Olaf, uh, the floor is yours on, in terms of recommendations. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, on the media, I guess it depends what um, what you're um, what you're interested in, um, right? So it could be very broad. Um, I've come across a really interesting report. Uh, so, like a, it's it's I don't want to call it research paper. It's more a thought piece, and it goes um, in this context of. Um, you know, how corporates and family offices um, that often are related to an industry by way of, you know, the family having made their wealth in one industry um, can use venture capital to understand emerging tech um, in the content of, you know, their business, but then also adjacent businesses, because going forward, I'm sure you agree that a lot of innovation uh, may not come only from within your industry, but also well, from most cases <laughs> from exactly, but from from technology development in adjacent industries, and then you find a way to adapt it for your own. Mm -hmm. And that is called. It's actually done by Bertelsmann Investments, mm -hmm. and it's called hedging against disruption. Okay, um, excellent. Is that a, public? It. it Yes, I believe it is, and I'm happy to send it to you, and then maybe you can, you know, attach it somewhere. Sure. Um, but that is, uh, is very interesting. It is now in the context of Web3 as an example, um, but I find it quite interesting because Bertelsmann in Germany is actually a big supporter of the startup ecosystem. Um, I didn't know uh, that. Um, yeah, uh, both the company as well as the um, Bertelsmann Foundation. And I think that's a very interesting report uh, to look at, in particular, if you're a corporate or a large family office that has strong corporate links. Um, so that would be one to highlight. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for me personally, in terms of in terms of news, um, you know what? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to say. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't do the news, but um, it's often more related to um, to our industry. So then it's more related to research. Um, uh, um, but I, I, I'm just on a few, um, I would say, uh, email lists. So I do like the German Handelsblatt morning briefing as a general um, as a general update on what's going on in the world. Um, uh, so I'm on that and, um, I'm on some of the big consulting newsletters on certain topics. So you can, you can add that. And I'm on some, uh, banks, economist research distribution lists, but that's all, I guess, personal preferences and whatnot. Of course. So that was, that was that who should we talk to? Well, relating to what? <laughs> VC, of course. VC mm -hmm. in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I would say, I mean, the, 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 the usual suspects, I think in Switzerland, the interesting thing about the scene is you have quite a few early stage, um, and then you have, um, uh, you know, a handful of bigger ones like, uh, the Lakeside Partners and Red Alpine and, uh, and the more Metech fo focused, uh, VCs, um, uh, you have, uh, um, a few that are more global in nature, um, uh, at at both ends of the spectrum, like both on the early stage as well as at the later stage, you have a few that are more global in in, in nature, and sure. I'd include ourselves in that. And then you have a few that are more um, local. I do think also the kind of angel syndicates um, mm -hmm. that you find within Switzerland mm -hmm. um, are um, very interesting. Uh, to compare notes with, and they they also have a very important function in fostering the early stage projects. In particular, I would say the local ones, but they also look at more international projects. Okay. So that's your SIGTIX. And then um, obviously the... Um, Anyone in particular that you find especially interesting that we should talk to? I don't want to highlight any particular one because that then uh, ah, there, there goes you know, the lawyer again. Here, here goes the politician, politician again <laughs> because then you forget the other. So, um, but uh, yeah. Okay, got it. So, so it's Anything almost about... yeah. So I almost it... say do your own research. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. But then you know, and then you have the um, uh, what's it called? The association. The um, uh, sure. Say, um, is it Seca? Seca? Oh, Seca, yeah, yeah. Seca. Of course. And then you have Seca, right? Mm -hmm. um, for our particular space, there's a Crypto Valley Association. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like, uh, I like, you know, what the guys at Seca are doing a lot for mm -hmm. the ecosystem and the space. Got it. Very good. Oh, there you go. I recommended one after all. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, I, wa I was just going to say, Olaf, uh, as with, uh, with uh, what's that again? You're not in Kansas anymore. You're not at JP Morton anymore. So you don't have to have the boilerplate, uh, uh, boilerplate right. uh, <laughs> things there. Okay. Um, um, and last but not least, anything about uh, recent finds in the tech space, gadget space, innovation space? Yeah, um, so I mean, obviously, I find the whole um, chat GTP and the like very interesting, uh, fascinating, and also all the derivatives of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, um, uh, I would... Uh, advise everyone who hasn't tried to kind of look at that space yet to do it and to do it quickly and just to try mm -hmm. certain things out you know be that chat gtp be that other ones where um you know you can develop your own brand or your web page just play with that mm -hmm. to see what it can mean for businesses and your particular business and that's whether you're a lawyer or whether mm -hmm. you're a nutrition coach or whether you're an asset manager um, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's it's uh, it's really really important to stay on top of that one and play with it and you know even if you have to take a few days off to kind of deep dive I think you should learn it mm -hmm. because I believe this will change you know a lot of 
how we do things very quickly mm -hmm. uh, and you have to stay on top of that uh, okay you know it, it there's, there's so many sub tools for different uh, areas that I would say um, you need to you need to check what is best for your own purpose uh -huh. good thing these days with Google you know <laughs> you, just, you, you just find it but but ChatGDB is always a good start okay it's now, not like i'm using it constantly i'm just yeah. fascinated by uh, what it can do and playing with it and understanding uh, of course it. we use for example we use a tool which names escapes me for um note taking of our um, online meetings and it's an mm -hmm. automated note taking uh, tool which works really really well mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and it's very efficient to summarize also mm -hmm. um, uh, except if you switch the language halfway <laughs> yeah, but, that's that's uh, what it what these tools are still struggling with the different yeah, yeah, yeah. Swiss German so, and stuff. Huh? That's now, right. But it'll come so fast, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. That, that would be my main recommendation. Interesting, but uh, Olaf, I can't let you go with that now. Uh, you have opened a can of worms. Um, so, uh, uh, specifically in the VC space, have you found anything of interest uh, outside of the note-taking app? Now, uh, have you found an area for application, or do you do you think that there is a specific area for application to VC of uh, of uh, large language models? Um. Yes, there is, but I couldn't pinpoint uh, it fully yet. I mean, the other thing where it could also play into where we see a lot of interesting projects also in our space is the whole low code, no code, right? Mm -hmm. So if you combine that with language, uh, mm -hmm. it can also, you know, make things faster uh, and more efficient very, very fast. So you basically tell uh, the app what you want it to do, and uh, it codes itself, or it. it uh, well, that, that would be my exactly my logical next step, right? If you see uh -huh. some uh, low-code, no-code developments in uh, in uh, Web three, mm -hmm. um, the same way I guess you saw that potential maybe uh, some years back for you know, your web page builder, sure, um, uh, and then you combine voice with that uh it makes it even more efficient you don't even have to type it anymore <laughs> okay but but specifically in the vc uh, th this would be an app so that would be an investment oh you mean specifically for the vc space yeah 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 absolutely uh no i haven't seen anything there yet other than obviously you know i mean if you're doing um and and voice related not necessarily oh okay um, no, but I think you can do a lot of, um, uh, um, if, if you're asking the right questions, you can do a lot of very high level uh, due diligence checkpoints already with the, the likes of ChatGTP and, and apply it for, you know, for some of the quick and dirty high level due diligence. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something there. Um, also, if you want to think about certain, you know, marketing of our own you know for ourselves or for the underlying portfolio startups that can be very helpful there mm -hmm. and that's why we're, we're we're playing with that but uh i i'd say it's too early to make specific recommendations okay got it yeah i do know that you know there's a lot of people that also use um certain data for deal screening mm -hmm. um 
uh, and certain certain intelligence systems uh, we're not we're not there yet and i think that the driver is because we're so early stage in particular with the accelerator which is the bulk of our investments that um, there's such a high element on team team chemistry team dynamics uh, and some of that for the time being at least i mean you can always do you know the odd personality test and uh, <laughs> and uh, and 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 whatnot um but a lot of that is really knowing and understanding the founders got it so basically oh, uh, by the way, yeah. now i've now i've actually now that we talk about that there's one thing uh that i do want to mention on the risk mitigation side uh, when you asked me earlier, one of the biggest ones, actually, when you think about it, is that accelerator program. Uh, because oh. when you work with these startups for 10 weeks, um, that's really when you get to know the founders much better than in, you know, meeting them two or three times in due diligence. Where they want to present right. their front, right? Uh, and Correct. Then Correct. They, they, they like let their hair down. <laughs> it's, it's almost like marriage. Um, <laughs> but you really get to work with them, right? Detailed mm -hmm. over 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And from that to then determine, okay, where do we do follow-on investments? Mm -hmm. um, we feel much more confident uh, on the back of that. So that, I think, is a big differentiator because you know that those those I would say follow-on investments are the equivalent to our standalone investments in slightly more developed startups that mm -hmm. didn't go through the accelerator, except we worked with them for ten weeks and we haven't just spoken with the startup you know for I don't know a few hours on the phone then met them once or twice spoke mm -hmm. to another few VCs it's very mm -hmm. different so that I think is actually our biggest risk management tool is that accelerator for follow-on investments fantastic this is where the bulk of our capital goes Super. <laughs> fantastic thank you very much olaf you're very welcome congratulations you have made it through this episode with olaf hanemann of cvvc please remember that nothing in this podcast can be or should be construed as investment advice if you like this podcast, please give it top marks on the podcasting platform of your choice and share it with your friends and colleagues. If you don't like it quite so much, however, please get in touch with me, Chris Dreyer, and tell me what I should do better to improve. I'd love to learn from you. Until then, in the timeless words of Steve Jobs, stay hungry, stay foolish. <laughs>